You need parts? O'Reilly Auto Parts has parts. Need them fast? We've got fast. No matter what you need, we have thousands of professional parts people doing their part to make sure you have it. Product availability. Just one part that makes O'Reilly stand apart. The professional parts people. Oh, 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 O'Reilly. Auto Parts. This is the Blue Moon Podcast. Coming up, we've got all the news and views from Manchester City's week. Get involved with the debate by tweeting at Blue Moon Podcast and check out exclusive interviews on bluemoonpodcast.com. It's your club and this is your show. Well, it's been a long time coming, but the football is back. Wait, no it's not. With the World Cup, a USA tour and an early start to the season with Sunday's Community Shield, it feels like the football has never gone away. But it's a return for Manchester City and that means the Blue Moon podcast is back again. Now for our 10th season covering the club. You've got our apologies for that. On today's show, we'll be discussing the winners and losers of City's trip to the States and the impact of having so many players away after the World Cup. We'll be previewing the tie with Chelsea at Wembley, looking at what we'll be able to learn from the game. Is it a competition worth going for, or is it just a glorified friendly? We'll let you know what we think when we know if City have won or lost. We'll be discussing the late Mark Vivian Foe. This summer was 15 years since the midfielder passed away while playing for Cameroon. And we'll be fielding your questions in Ask the Panel as well, so get them sent in for future shows by tweeting at Blue Moon Podcast or through the website bluemoonpodcast.com. Time to get on with the first show of the season, get it up and running. I'm your host, David Mooney, and joining me in the studio, we've got City fan and blogger Richard Burns. Hello. And the Sunday Mirror Chief Football Writer, Simon Mullock. Hello, David. How are you both doing? A good, good summer? Yeah, not yeah. too bad at all, thank you. Not too bad. How about you, David? Uh, not too bad. It's been re- it's been nice to relax with football that I've not had to care about or, or kind of pay so much attention to that I've that I've had to you know, write about it or, or have an opinion about. But Simon, you don't care about England. Well, you've been working. No, I don't. I don't. Well, I didn't, and then I did, and that was really yeah. weird. So it's <laughs> like, I, yeah. But I know, I, I, I know you felt the same. So don't laugh. No. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I'm more apathetic than you, probably, for a long, long time. But I did enjoy the World Cup. And then suddenly, out of nowhere, I discovered that I cared about the England national national team, and it was great fun. It was just like, oh, yeah, I can't, can't put my finger on it. Yeah, we've noticed the tattoo on your forearm. <laughs> <laughs> you ruining my reputation, this Simon. And your waistcoat. Well. I mean, that's just style, mate. It's, that's all I can say. Anyway, um, speaking of the World Cup, City have had uh, City had the most players out there at, uh, at Russia, which means that there's the potential for a slow start to the season, doesn't it? Because they're all still late coming back. Yeah, um, I think it's hard to imagine that it won't have any impact at all. You want your your best players to be um, to be firing as, as soon as the season starts. You don't want you know the, the start of the season can be. Um, your rustiest part of the season anyway, because obviously you've got to get players, I know they come back pretty much fully fit these days, but you've still got to get to match fitness, you've still got to make sure that you're straight back into the swing of things. Um, obviously for City this year, there's going to be a lot of teams really up in the game against us, and I know it's sort of the case anyway, but now there's even more value to it, because with the, the team that got 100 points, with the runaway champions You want to beat year, them, don't you? Yeah, yeah um, and there's even more value this year after breaking the goals records, there's more value in keeping a clean sheet against us, we're probably going to see teams be more physical, sit even deeper against us if that's possible in some cases, more time wasting. We can't really afford, early on, for the players not to be clicking straight away, and if... Um, if we're playing a second string, and I say that loosely because it's still a pretty strong team. Um, but uh, no, no you, I mean, you say that, but last season, the number of times where Pep last season made five, six, seven changes, yeah. and, and it that, wasn't very cohesive. Yeah, because you lose the fluidity. It's not the quality of the individuals. It's what it does to the to the team as a unit, isn't it? Um, the, the Basel home game is a, a prime example of that, I think. Um, and yes, yeah, so we, we want that fluidity there straight away. If, say, Kevin De Bruyne isn't going to be available to play because he's taken his um, his five weeks rest, that it's right that he has it. Um, but if one of your main playmakers, or you, you, a couple of your best players aren't ready and available straight away, particularly for a, a tough opening at Arsenal, um, it's a minor concern. That said... Um, you know, other teams have their best players there as well. It is the nature of the Premier League that some of the teams will play against. Their best players are not the same as missing De Bruyne, but the impact it will have on their team um, will still be pretty big. So it won't make for any excuses, but it's it's not ideal. Simon, what I mean, when you look at, at what happened in the States, because again, most of the team that was in the States wasn't City's first team. What what do you make a pre-season in that in that kind of sense? Is it can we take anything from it? 
I think City can take something from it because Pep um, got to work, as he said, with a lot of young players for two weeks that perhaps he wouldn't have done normally. And unlike the other manager in Manchester, it seems that he took <laughs> the, the positive from that and really enjoyed the tour. I mean, he, he, I didn't go on the tour, but you, every time Pep was interviewed, he seemed to have a, a smile on his face, apart from maybe when... Uh, Jurgen Klopp interrupted his post-match press press conference. After it was the very awkward, defeat. that wasn't. It? I thought very that weird. was. I thought that was. Um, I thought that was ignorant, to be honest. Mm. And it's not the first time Liverpool have done that. By the way, I remember, if I can digress a little bit, Steven Gerrard uh, interrupted Roberto Mancini um, after the League Cup semi-final defeat at the Etihad in 2012, and that didn't go down well with with people at the club either. Um, you know, and Klopp made a little bit of a joke of it, which I suppose it was about the only thing he could do. But believe me, if somebody had walked, another manager had walked in on Jurgen Klopp when he was in full flow, wouldn't have been happy. Would he, he wouldn't have been happy, uh, especially if he'd lost a game as well. Jurgen Klopp's a good winner. Um, he, he's not so charming when he's when he's lost a game. I think Pep handled it uh, reasonably well. I think he showed his displeasure a little bit. I think what, what would have annoyed him afterwards was a couple of the faces that. Clock pulled as though, like, you know, he was a, he was a naughty schoolboy. I just think it was a lack of respect for, mm. for another manager. I know it was only pre season friendly, and I know he didn't do it on purpose, but I, I think really the right thing to, to have done would have been to actually apologise and, 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 leave, and yeah. leave, the, leave the room. Yeah. Uh, but so go, going back to the original question, I think some of the young players did themselves a, did themselves a, the world of good. I mean, we saw Luke Bolton, for example, I watched him last year. Playing against Liverpool, strange enough, in the in the sort of youth Champions League competition, and I thought, oh, he, you know, he look, he looks quite a decent prospect in America. There were times when he looked absolutely fantastic, and there was one incident where he tore past uh, Fabinho, who I know plays in midfield, but used to be a fullback, and the guy looked like he was carrying a wardrobe. He, he just <laughs> left him, sort of left, absolutely left him for dead. Um, and t- I think he teed one up for was it Leroy Sane? I Sane's goal was it in that and, game? Um, no, it was it was the one that I think I, maybe I've got this mixed up, but it was the one where it was a close range shot, and it was either Nemitra or Sane. I didn't watch the game fully; I only watched the highlights, and he shot straight at the goalkeeper. Um, oh, they should! You no, know, you're right. They should have. Yeah, they should yeah. have scored. They had a real guilt edge chance. Real, real yeah. good chance. Um, so yeah, he did, did himself um, the world of good. It's great to see Phil Foden getting some minutes under his belt for the senior team because, I mean, last year, for example, he also had a, an impressive pre-season tour. Hopefully, he'll get a few more minutes on the pitch. So, from City's point of view, they were never going to have the senior team there. So, you make the best of what you can out of it and I, I think that's what... And they've Guardiola... had a good tour in that in that respect. Um, Richard, obviously, the, the big transfer tussle over over January was Riyad Mahrez. Um, that fell through in January, but it, it happened in uh, in the summer. Um, what, do you, what have you made of him in a City shirt? Um, hands up here. I've only seen highlights. I've not been staying up till the early hours to to watch the friendlies. Part-timer. I know, I know, it's dreadful, isn't it? Um, I think from clips I've seen, um, it's sort of what I expected. I think bedding in, obviously, um, the injury, obviously not ideal to have to to curtail part of his preseason. Should be should be okay in fairness. Yeah, yeah, yeah but in terms of taking away some of that that time, we're just getting used to patterns of play, that kind of thing. Uh, not ideal for him, but is. I think I have a very clear idea of what we'll get from Mares, and so I expect a very tidy player, a very skillful player, somebody who will chip in with plenty of assists, somebody who's going to be very, very good at coming out from out wide into the middle and and, and offer something right across that front line. Um, and I suspect, I mean, he's already got um, got a decent finish on him. I would imagine his, his goal rate, as long as he's playing regularly, which I do think he will, um, I think his goal rate will probably, in comparative to previous seasons, probably go through the roof um, because the chances he'll get in this team with his, with his understanding of space and, and the way he plays, um, I think he's got potential to be a much, much better signing than a lot of people are maybe expecting. I mean, Leicester, Leicester fans will tell you that he was the reason why they ticked over so yeah. well for for the last couple of years. I'm not. I'm not going to suggest. I'm not. I'm not trying to say there that we've got some kind of like under the radar bar. No, no, no. I, well, but, the point I was going to make was that he's moving to a different system and a different setup. Though, could that be the the issue that he has bedding in? I, I think that'll be the the making of him. To be honest, well, not the making of him because he's a, he's a title winner. He's played in the Champions League and is an experienced footballer. But I don't think he's ever played in a team where he will have so many attacking options 
Um, you play against Leicester, and one of the keys to the it, title yeah. is, is is stop Mares, stop Vardy. Well, when you're playing against City, it's stop Silva, it's stop Aguero, <laughs> it's stop Kevin De Bruyne, mm. Sane, Sterling. He, he, are you surprised that he was so desperate to come to the club? Can you imagine his motivation as well? Like without, and and this is it's going to sound really disrespectful <clears throat> to Leicester, and it's it's obviously not meant to be because he, like I say, he's won the league there. But he's at a point in his career where he's proven his quality. He's clearly a very very able Premier League player, and he's at a point in his career now where he's probably just about at his peak. And had this move not come off for him. Um, or, you know, a club of a similar stature to City, then the best years of his career could have passed him by. And that one title um, in, a, in a, a bit of a freak season could have been the standalone achievement on his, you know, on his sort of his medal hall at the end of his career. Um, and now he gets to play in the best team in the country that has an almost unlimited amount of potential. Well, let's look he, at it as well. You know, Guardiola's signed for an extra couple of seasons. He's not going anywhere. Yeah. Mares, he's brought Mares in, so Mares isn't going anywhere either. Mm. He's got three years, four years, what, to work with Pep? The confidence as well that it shows the club had in this deal, that they've chased it after it fell down in January, after there were very public questions asked about Mares' behaviour after that. Some of it may be fair, some of it uh, may be misreported, as, as I'm sure he would say. Um, and Simon, you may shed more light on this, I don't know, but there was talk that actually it had started last summer, that City had inquired then or tried then. So it's arguably across three transfer windows that they've tried to get him. That's some faith to put in a deal um, when there are any number of players that would love to play in this team, um, to put your faith in one player. Um, that's a that's pretty huge. So the motivation that he will get from that, and and his incentive to go and be a star player in a team pack full of star attacking players, um, I, I think it could be an absolutely wonderful signing. I really do. Simon, you mentioned him before, Leroy Sane. He obviously had the bad news with not being part of the Germany squad for the World Cup. Um, how do you think he's looked in pre-season? Has he has he had a point to prove? Do you reckon? I think he has got a point to prove. I'm like Richard. I've only seen the highlights of the game and and Sa- games and Sane looked pretty lively from what I saw. Um, to be fair, um, he's probably the one German player who has come out of the World Cup with his reputation mm-hmm. enhanced. And uh, I watched Germany a couple of times in Russia, live, actually in the stadium, and wow, they missed They, they were crying his, out for somebody to do missed, something different. They missed somebody of his, his quality hugely. Um, somebody who can carry the ball, somebody who can beat a player. Um they they really kind of lacked the kind of spark that that Sane could have given them, and I think it was a a huge mistake by uh, Joachim Lowe to uh, to leave him out. Has he got anything to prove? Maybe to his German coach, yeah, but I don't think he's got anything to prove at City. He was absolutely sensational last season, and rightfully was named young young, young player of the year by the PFA. Well, I wouldn't normally do this, but uh, we've had an Ask the Panel question on this topic, so it kind of feels the right time to, to bring it in. Harris Ahmed uh, got in touch on Twitter to ask, is Guardiola tougher on Sane than others in the team, uh, such as uh, Jesus or Sterling, and could it lead to Sane eventually leaving as much as he'd hoped not? Um, it, it kind of comes with it. When you listen to Guardiola talk about Sane, he does he can put he can be quite harsh with uh, But I think that is where <clears> you have to trust Guardiola, that he knows his players. Um, and so you listen to the way he talks about somebody like David Silva, where he's absolutely effusive at every opportunity to try and make people understand how good David Silva is. And he, he uses language that says you, you just don't know how good he is. And with Leroy Sane, and I think Sterling gets a little bit of this treatment. It's always, there's the praise, but there's always that tinge of, but there's more, there's more that he can do. And I think that's, when you look at the progress Sane's made, he came in as a very, very talented youngster. It took a little while to settle, but once he did, he was brilliant. And then last season, the more and more the season progressed, the more his influence on that team grew, the more he was able to grab games by the scruff of the neck, which makes you think that he's been managed perfectly. I'm sure what happens in training is different to what happens in public. We're all we're all just waiting to see that. Well, yeah. There's that line yeah. where, where Pep says... And it, and you wonder who it's aimed at because you only get that soundbite, but you, you, you. I'm desperate to know who it's aimed at. If, if you, you play, want to hate me, you hate play, me. You yeah. play better when you. You seem to play better when you hate me, and maybe it was it was aimed at the entire team, mm. but um, you know, 
I, I'm desperate to see that documentary. Yeah. I mean, I just, just need to find will, out what it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I've I've seen the other Amazon um, docs of a similar kind on the American football teams, Dallas Cowboys, for example, and they're absolutely brilliant. And um, if this one is as good, and the great thing about this one is that they have got a season where City just absolutely rip up the record books. So you would imagine that this is this is going to be gold. good. It's going to be good. I think it? it's pure gold for yeah. Amazon, and I think it'll be pure gold for City as well because. The next step for the club, and again, I've gone off off <laughs> here again. The next step for the club is to kind of, and I know, I know, born and bred blue Mancunians will hate this, but the next step for the club is to develop that worldwide brand, and something like this Amazon documentary. It I does. Think, it helps it, them. You know, it they, they've got ten million quid for it, and I just think people will see the inner workings of a Pep Guardiola dressing room, and I, I just think it will be must watch TV for mm. any sports fan whether you you like football rugby american football or whatever i think it was a a brave idea but a great idea um just two things one on that can you imagine how good amazon must be that with all the footage that they've got that they didn't get tunnel gate at all traffic <laughs> and cowan gate yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, and two just to give harris a, a final answer on his question i don't see pep's treatment of sane leading to him leaving just because Ultimate, we didn't yeah. round off on that. Um, if Sane ever leaves, it'll be because he's a young player who will have achieved what he needed to at City and somebody will come and pay an absolute fortune for him. It won't be because of the way Pep Guardiola manages him. Well, back on to, uh, to pre-season. Bernardo Silva came back uh, from holiday early. Um, he was asked to come back and he said, yep, yeah, no, it seems like a good idea because uh, I think he missed a bit of pre-season last year as well. Um, how, how do you think he's looked? Because he's he's one of those players that actually played quite a big role last season but when you look at the feeling is that he didn't he wasn't that involved but actually when you look at the numbers he was quite involved in the team do you know what i think bernardo silva is an absolutely exemplary professional footballer he's come for big money he's left monaco a club that were doing well not just in the french league but also the champions league and he's kind of accepted that you know maybe there were other players ahead of him in the first few months of last season that maybe this was a settling down season for him, that he was going to learn how to play under Pep Guardiola. He could have easily gone away and, and had a bit of a sulk. He was he got in the Portugal World Cup team. I thought he had quite a decent World Cup from, from the games that I saw Portugal play. Clearly, he wants to have a bigger impact this season because that's why he's respected Pep's um, request. request. Yeah. I was going to say demand, but you're absolutely right. Request to come back early. And in the games in America, he actually looked like he was enjoying being that kind of senior player that the younger guys looked up to and we think the thing about Bernardo Silva is um I think he's only 23 22 20 for some reason I thought you were I thought you were I think he's only five foot four I mean I interviewed him last year I had a one-on-one -on -one interview with him last year and he, he brought his dad with him and his dad was kind of his dad was like we were talking about similar things about what happened I do, no his dad's basically my age and I'm kind of looking at Bernardo Silva thinking you forget, he, he looks older than he actually is. He's still a really, really young player. And I, I'm quite intrigued to see whether Pep can give him a few more minutes more centrally because I'm not quite sure that, that that role as a wide player is actually his best really position. Really suits him, yeah. And, and you wonder where, with, with the, the, the issues that David Silva had last year and whether, um, I mean, I, I interviewed Silva last, last week in Gran Canaria and he was adamant that, he wanted to play as much as possible and Pep's kind of hint that maybe he won't get as many minutes on the pitch. Well, he maybe that's another Pep masterstroke because Silva's gonna, he's gonna, he's gonna back is desperately he? trying, to, trying to prove him wrong and, and show that he's still one of the main main men in the club. But going back to Bernardo, yeah, I hope I think he, he's had a, a really good um, pre-season uh, in terms of the tour in America. And... Um, Maybe it shows the kind of response that Pep's going to give him this season. That he was the one player that he said, "Can you can you get back early?" Richard, I'm I'm assuming nothing's changed with the the Joe Hart situation. He's been involved in the tour, but as far as you're concerned, he's, he's he must be in line for a move before the window shuts. Yeah, I mean he's been linked with everyone, isn't he? It was Fenerbahce yesterday, Burnley today, and God, I hope he doesn't go to Burnley because um, I like Joe Hart. And I don't like that football club a whole lot. Um, so from a personal point of view, I really hope he doesn't end up there. Um, he was linked with Chelsea. I assume that won't happen. No, they signed Rob Green. That always seemed a bit of an out there shout. Um, 
yeah, he's not got a future at City, has he? And unfortunately, rightly so, because he's not the goalkeeper that we need. Pep was proven right in getting uh, in getting shut of him, as big a decision as it was. Um, and I, I hope for his sake, because I think City fans still love Joe Hart. And I was going to say on this point, what's right for him now? Because, and, and I don't mean what's right as in, well, he's got a move, but I mean, how... What's right for for his future? Only only Joe Hart can decide that, can't he? It's got to be about, I think, re- realistically, you'd think it's got to be about going somewhere where he can play and be appreciated. These loan moves now are no good for him. He, he said it himself. He took loan moves to try and get into the World Cup squad and it did him no good. And he's not got that pressure now. He's not going to play at a World Cup again. He's not going to the European Championships barring a, an astonishing turnaround in form. It's just not happening. Um, we've got younger and better goalkeepers now to fill his position so the rest of his career and that might be a long time yet he's young certainly in goalkeeper terms the rest of his career has got to be about playing at the best level that he can regularly and that is surely still if he wants it to be surely still the Premier League or an equivalent um, top European league it's just not going to be at the title challenges in those leagues now he'd make a decent backup for one of those teams I think but is his star burned very, very brightly, very, very quickly, but he's still a good Premier League quality player and a very good experienced player for a mid-table team to take, I think. Do you know, do you know one of the things that disappointed me a little bit, and, and I know this is a City podcast, but a lot of City fans that I speak to seem to blame Joe Hart for the fact that Pep Guardiola doesn't want him. Now, Pep took that decision. The decision has proved to be absolutely 100% right, and I think even Joe, Joe himself would hold his hands up and say, that. yeah. But it's not Joe Hart's fault that the club gave him a five-year contract in mm. 2014, and he's got every right mm-hmm. that if well a move hasn't materialised, what what the fans really want him to did want him to retire and just walk away from it. It's not Joe Hart's fault that the manager that took over two years ago doesn't doesn't fancy him because he doesn't play out from the back the way that he wants. Although I've got to say, I can't remember which game it was last week, but he back-heeled one <laughs> to a defender from inside his own six-yard box. Through somebody's legs, wasn't it? I think yeah. he might have been through somebody's legs. Plus, for me, he deserves all the respect possible for wearing that D-squared outfit. <laughs> because, I mean, come on, let's get, you know, the, most things have changed for the good in terms of what's happened to this club over the last 10 years. The outfits the players are asked to wear a shambles. I'd have I know more I'm, respect I, if they'd unionised and refused. I know I'm a, I'm, I'm a man of, a, of, of mature mature years, <laughs> but I pine for the days when um, Stud Menswear of Middleton used to have a, a, an advert in the, in the main road programme and you could go there and Louis would sort you out with some with some great gear. And I think this isn't an, a, a, an ad, but he's, it's, it's, still, it's still running. The, the stuff that they... <laughs> The stuff that they that City are wearing at the moment is an it, it, they look a joke. They do. It's, that's one my one big bear. I know the fans are some of the fans are disappointed with the kits, Richard for one. <laughs> the stuff that they're asked to wear off the pitch is just a it's just a shambles. It you makes know, them of, look ridiculous. Of all the things I was gonna ask Simon tonight that I thought he'd get wound up about, that was not it. The I only didn't, thi- didn't see that one coming at the all. The only thing that was missing was and I'm wearing a blazer from Stud Men where <laughs> that you can get for <laughs> I've never. I, I'll tell you this. I, I've been to Stub Men's many times, um, and it's a a great gentleman's outfit. Is um, it's much better than this this stuff. And I know City are getting probably getting paid an absolute fortune to wear it. They are earning every single penny <laughs> because they 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 just look they just I, look like something out of a circus. I genuinely wonder from um, from D Square's point of view what reaction they could have expected to fashionable young men in some cases um wearing that kind of gear because it it was awful and it they became a laughing stock one of my friends said that and granted he's a united fan but I, he said that um that that just for common decency city should sort of re- withdraw themselves from the premier league this season <laughs> and yeah was it was it, it you that did you tweet um when you've got a, a yeah, pre- <laughs> a game at, at 3 a, and a, a funeral at when you got when you've got a funeral at 12 and a game at 3 yeah because they did they looked like they like they dress for two different occasions. They look like referees. <laughs> they actually look like referees with Man City across the. the, it's the shoes. The, the shoes were the killer. The shoes, the shoes actually look too big for them. <laughs> I'm sorry, but oh. no, no. Right. I know we've got a voice and opinion on this show, and my opinion is it's, it's too far, isn't it? That's, it's a step too far. Get get the mercy jackets back and, let, and let's take it from there. If the name of this podcast isn't just the phone number for stud men's right, <laughs> I'm going to be disappointed in you. And man will miss a I'll be looking for 10% off Lou next time. <laughs> <laughs>
Right, so the final preparations for the campaign are over and City's pre-season tour of the USA is done and dusted. It wasn't a normal situation though with plenty of players missing because of their late involvement in the World Cup, combined with an early start to Pep Guardiola's title defence. John Chubb rounds up what's been happening in the run-up to Sunday's Community Shield. With City sending the most players of any club to the World Cup this summer, there was barely any time to reflect on what they had achieved last season. That meant the beginning of City's US tour was the first opportunity the press had to ask about the record-breaking campaign. Once the dust had settled, Bernardo Silva spoke about the influence the manager and creative midfielder Kevin De Bruyne had had. Both of them are big names in the club and, and especially last season was a very good season for the for, for the club and for Man City, for all of us, and they were one of the reasons for that. As the preparations got underway for next season, though, there were naturally questions about how City could get better, given they'd already set the bar so high. Guardiola urged people not to use last year as the benchmark. Last season it was a consequence of what we have done every single day. That is the point. So if we're going to start to compare in November, in December, in January, what is the position comparing the last season? We're going to lose all the what we have done last season. Soon before their first match of the tour, City secured their first signing, the record-breaking £60 million capture of Riyad Mahrez from Leicester City. It was a deal that almost went through last January, but fell apart when the two clubs couldn't agree a fee. It was a signing that Leroy Sane said would keep him on his toes. He is a great uh, uh, player. Um, he will bring us so much quality to, to our game and will help us and to get better also. And um, I think uh, to have a competition, like it's, it's really good. It's good in the team to know, like, OK, you have to give always 100%. Mares was handed his debut in the first game. He was one of only a few senior players in a team made up largely of academy regulars. They lost to Borussia Dortmund 1-0 thanks to a Mario Godse penalty. The other headline was that Joe Hart featured as a second-half substitute. Afterwards, the manager told the press he didn't know what the future held for the goalkeeper. It was six or seven players he could not play today. We decided this game with uh, Claudio and Joe. Uh, despite of, of the decision, so nobody can doubt about uh, his quality like a goalkeeper. So his, what, what he has done in the last... 10 years, 12, 12 years, so, and Liverpool will decide which, which will be. So I think it's going to stay, it's going to, to leave. We'll see at the end of the season. Liverpool were up next and it was a 2-1 defeat to Jurgen Klopp's side. That was despite taking the lead during a strong performance in the first hour of the match. A dubious offside and a dodgy penalty decided the game. City's kids were impressing though Phil Foden chose to go on the tour and not link up with the England under-19s for their European Championships and he explains why. When you get a chance in the first thing I think you need to take it and um, so yeah I think it was right for me to stay here and um, try and develop more and become a better player. What do you see as the next step then for you Phil? Um, just moving it, moving it quite slow this year, see if we can get more minutes and then try and push on from next year. How difficult is that going to be given, once again, the level of competition? Obviously, Riyad Mahrez has been added to the squad yeah. as well. It's going to be quite difficult, but I just need to try and show the managers um, what I can do in training and work hard and see where it takes me. Then, out of seemingly nowhere, a mini-dispute between Guardiola and Jose Mourinho bubbled up. Sure, neither manager directly addressed the other, but there were polar opposite views and reactions from each about the number of players still on holiday after the World Cup. City's manager spoke glowingly of his youth players, but United's was rather cutting. If you look to the players that Chelsea and Liverpool they have in the in the preseason, also Arsenal. If you compare, you see the difference of uh, of the situation. I don't have the majority of the players that are going to be in the squad on the 9th of uh, of August when the market close and we can make the the squad official for the season. So. Of course, I'm not happy. It's what it is. Always, I, I learned that from when I was a little, little boy in Barcelona when it's an academy football player, then don't find excuses and no complaints. It's what it is. 
so we are happy. And after City came from behind to beat Bayern Munich in their final pre-season game, winning 3-2 after trailing 2-0 at one point, Guardiola said he was impressed with the youth players that had been involved. For these guys, it will be a huge experience for their future, for realise, OK, we can do it. We are able to, to play in our way against, against good teams. The result of calls in the precision, nothing cow. Now we have five, six days for the first title. Before the fans could realise it, thoughts were then turning towards the coming season and defending the title. Leroy Sane reckoned Chelsea, this weekend's opposition in the Community Shield, would be the biggest threat to City retaining their crown. They bought a really good coach, and I think if you've seen Napoli like they played the last season, um, was really, really attractive and really good and even we were like really suffering and um, against them and I think they need just like also like some time to get really like used to to, to his tactic and um, I think they could be like also tough ultimate like they all also are but like I think and also like Liverpool too. And Riyad Mahrez, a title winner with Leicester City in 2016, is not expecting an easy campaign. There's no biggest threat. The top six, everyone can win the, the league. Uh, we, we, uh, I'm good and, and uh, um, I can say I'm in good place to know how uh, difficult it is the Premier League and uh, it will be tough again. The majority of City's players will return this week ahead of the Community Shield, but there will still be a couple more late arrivals who don't get back to Manchester until the days before the opening Premier League tie with Arsenal. As preparations go, City's tour of the United States has probably been as good as anyone could have expected, with half of the first team away on holiday. Hello, my name is Gerard Beacons, a former player of Manchester City, and you're listening to the Blue Moon Podcast. For a pledge of $2 a month, you can hear our weekly bonus show on a wide range of city topics. There's more details on patreon.com forward slash blue moon podcast. John Job looking at uh, how the pre-season went. Uh, now it's the Community Shield on Sunday, which, uh, as I said at the, at the start of the show, we, we're not sure we care about until we know if City have won or lost. Um, how do you think Guardiola will, will, will view this one? Again, I think he'll just look at it. It's strange to, to, it's strange to say with Pep because... He just likes to win things. So you would imagine yeah. that, um, although I think uh, in his press conference, he'll probably play it down and rightly so and talk about the players. In fact, he probably won't talk about the players that are missing. He'll, he'll talk about the players that, that he, he that has he got use, available. Yeah. And he, he will tell those players, I'm pretty sure, that you know that this is a chance to win a, win a trophy at Wembley. If after the game, City haven't won the, the Community Shield, then I'm pretty sure he, he I don't think he'll... He'll take it sort of too much to heart, but um, you know, one thing we've got to remember: foreign coaches. You know, a lot of them count these. They call them super cups everywhere mm. else, and they count them as major trophies. Mourinho, for example, you ask him about how many trophies he's won, and he will count his Community Shields mm. and his Italian Super Cups and Portuguese Super Cups. Yeah, but he'd also count his, you know, under fifteen, two hundred meters breaststroke, wouldn't he? Last year, we were talking to. Um, uh, Jurgen Klopp before the Champions League final, and one of the one of the lads said to him, "Well, you know, you've you've lost five successive finals, and the, only, the last trophy you won was back in 2012." And he said, "No, no, I won, I won the uh, German Super Cup in 2013 and 2014. The German Super Cup is their their Community Shield. Mm. So foreign managers do they I value it? They those, value it more. I think it's one of those. If they win it, it's great." If they don't, then it's just a just a friendly, and I think that's that's a kind of practicality of it with with the squads that both City and Chelsea will will have on Sunday. I think the more important thing um, in terms of what a win would mean is we're playing a team that are going to look to be one of our rivals this season. It's a bit new. I think they're going to have a completely different style of football to how they played under Conte. And that's what Sarri's going to uh, going to try and implement. It's a good style of football. We know from last season that Guardiola well, has. I was going to I was going to come to this because yeah. of the Napoli connection with City in last season. Napoli yeah. were the two games against Napoli were two of City's toughest games. And Guardiola spoke extremely highly at every possibility of how good Napoli were. At one point, he said they were one of the best three teams in Europe. Um, the 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 chance with this is against a team like that. It's a chance to lay down a little bit of a marker, not in. 
not in the way that it does in the league, clearly, because it's just not that meaningful a game. But there's that thing of, it's a massive cliche, but winning's a habit. And it doesn't bear out exactly because we lost the 2012 Shield, went on to win the league. We won the 2014 Shield, went on to have a terrible title defence. So it doesn't bear out exactly. But you look at our worst Community Shield performance was the absolute abject display against Arsenal. And it did sort of bear out how that season felt. And I, th- I just think you have a chance to... Um, almost hit the ground running or at least start playing yourself into the, into the swing of things. And I say that as somebody who doesn't really care about the result of the community shield, I'll be quite open about that. Um, but it is a chance to against a good team to, if you win it, you can say, right, you've beat one of your rivals already and the season's not even started. Go out and replicate it. Does Sarri have more to, to prove than... Well, he, he does have more to prove than Guardiola, doesn't he? Um, I don't know, Chelsea are in... A little bit of a state of flux at the moment after getting rid of rid of Conte. So clearly he'll want to get off to a winning start and beating the man who tore the Premier League apart last season is wouldn't be a, a bad start for him. Um, I don't know about having any anything to prove to be honest because he's so highly rated and he was clearly the man that that Chelsea had been chasing for quite a long time. That he got to the point that Napoli had appointed Carlo Ancelotti before he'd even left the club. So we all we all knew what the end game with that was going to be um i've been told that he's got a lot of a lot of fans inside the etihad sorry and that if if they, for any reason whatsoever guardiola you know an emergency reason that guardiola had to leave the club or he wanted to go back to catalonia or anything like that sorry would have been the man that city would have tried to get to replace him and again, you're only talking about emergency situations here, not if but if City, if City had the way Guardiola would be here for the next fifteen years. No, correct, yeah, yeah. correct. But you know, Sarri is a man that sits that City at the, the hierarchy at City have been very impressed with. And the two games against Napoli last year were just brilliant, particularly the one in, in Naples where it was just two teams end to end, going at each other's yeah. throat. And you could argue that was I, I think that might have been City. Most impressive performance of the season. I mean, they were they were absolutely lethal that night because they were up against a team that was trying to attack them. What about the Jorginho link? Obviously, uh, City were after him all summer. He ended up going to Chelsea. Is that going <clears> to <throat> that, that going to have any impact on the game? Similar, we spoke about it earlier. Similar to 2012, really, when uh, they lost out to Eden Hazard and he made his debut at Villa Park against City and got all kinds of grief off off. City supporters fell over after he tried his first Correct. fancy trick. Correct, <laughs> right, 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 you're right, he did. Right yeah. in front of the City fans, you know, City won the game comfortably, even though it was it was only a three-two scoreline. They were by far the better team, perhaps because they were playing against ten men for for certainly from all of the second half. Um, I remember Roberto Mancini playing three at the back, and City's defending champions. They looked really, really impressive and didn't quite kind of kick on. You, You've got to remember that year, Mancini was having his, his problems at boardroom level. Um, Ferguson was desperate to try and re- reclaim the title. The Van Persie thing, and, yeah. City to Van Persie. So all wasn't right on, on the off the pitch. Um, it's completely and, different this time, though, because everything couldn't be better for City right now, oh, surely. Ab- absolutely. But I mean, just going back to the, you know, does a, does a community shield matter? I think... Um, if you win it, then it's, it gives you a nice little pre-season lift. If you don't win it, then, you know, so what? As long as you don't get hammered like they did against Arsenal in 2014, which was a, a, a pretty poor day all round. All right, well, it's our first chance to get some money on the board for this season's charity bet. So uh, fingers fingers and gears, lads. Uh, since we've introduced the charity bet to the Blue Room podcast and our partner's William Hill, we've raised more than £2,000 for the Christie, which is a cancer hospital in Manchester. This season, we're looking to add to that total, starting with the Community Shield match with Chelsea. Simon, what, for, what have you gone for scoreline-wise? I've, got, I've gone for one all after 90 minutes. One all after 90 minutes is 5-1, to one, so it'll be a nice £50 start uh, if you're right. Richard, what are you having? For, purely for the sake of starting the season on a positive prediction uh, I'm going 2-1 to City not a chance but that's 15 to 2 uh, <laughs> so 75 quid if you're right I've gone for a 2 all draw because uh, I just I don't know where to read this game at all which is 11 to 1 and that'll be 110 pounds to kick us off uh, you've got to be 18 or over to gamble prices can change and for more information about responsible gambling visit begambleaware.org now then last summer marked 15 years since the death of Mark Vivian Foe the Cameroon international spent a season on loan at City with manager Kevin Keegan desperate to sign him on a permanent basis such had been the impact he'd made at Main Road. 
But while he was away at the African Cup of Nations, the midfielder collapsed during the second half of the semi-final and died shortly after. Sam Roscoe has been looking at his season at City. Mark Vivian Foe was one of Kevin Keegan's early reinforcements to help City survive in the Premier League. The team had just been promoted back to the top flight and the manager was doing his best to make sure they stayed there in what was the final season at Main Road. The Cameroon International was one of the biggest reasons why City had such a good campaign. They finished ninth and qualified for the UEFA Cup via the Fair Play League. Here's the midfielder speaking after he'd scored a brace against Aston Villa. I'm very happy for us to get uh, some points. That it would be better if we get more points than goals. So I'm happy to score now because I have lost too many in the start of season. So now I'm enjoying playing now. I think I, I have to keep going. He was a late bloomer that season. He'd taken some time to settle in and was struggling to make an impression. But as soon as Keegan moved Foe further forward and into an attacking role, it was like he'd taken the handbrake off the midfielder's performances. Foe opened his account with a strike at Sunderland in December 2002, before adding to it plenty more times over the next few weeks. He went on a run of six goals in six matches. Photographer Kevin Cummings was documenting that season as City prepared to move to Eastlands the following year. He's got one very personal memory of Foe. When he scored his two goals against Villa, I was stood in the tunnel, I went a shot of him coming off the pitch. And as he approached me, I just said, um, goal machine, Marco. And he took his shirt off and gave it to me. And I, I was staying with some friends in Manchester and I got a phone call about midnight from Les Chapman kit man and he said did Marco give you his shirt after the game and I said yeah and he said what an idiot I told him not to give that shirt away because it's the only one he's got. The photographer had Foe's last remaining shirt and it meant that unless he could be reunited with it the midfielder wouldn't be able to play the next match and away trip to Fulham two days later. I said well you must have another shirt Les and he said no he said he, well, he always wears double XL and that's the only one we've got till mid-January till the Coxball Tifa back, you know, and they send us some more. He said, because Foe was always sending his shirts back to his family in Africa and stuff. He said, you're going to have to bring it down to London to the team's hotel. Cummings says he had no choice since he was heading down to the match anyway. Eventually, it must have been about a 10-hour drive that day down to London for this, and we got to, the team was staying at um, Chelsea Harbour. We got there, and I said to Les, I've got the shirt, and he came down, and he looked at it, and he said, haven't you fucking washed it? But it meant Foe could play in the match at Craven Cottage, which City went on to win 1-0, thanks to a very late Nicholas Anelka strike. Foe had played a key role in the tight game, and Cummings explains how he felt like he'd played a small part in that. The next day I was taking some pictures before the match when the team were warming up and I said to Fowey, I said, you're only playing because of me and he said, yeah, no, he said, Les told me and then when they finally got some shirts I finally got the sweaty one back, he gave me that he tried to fob me off with a new one but I wanted that one Fowey would go on to score one of the most noteworthy goals in the club's history a few months later as City's form peaked and troughed as the season drew to a close they beat Sunderland 3-0 at Main Road in late April with the Cameroon scoring a brace. He and the fans didn't know it at the time, but it was to be the last goal by a City player at Main Road. His death the following summer left everybody shocked. He had suffered from an undiagnosed heart condition and it caused him to collapse on the pitch whilst playing for his country. Nobody was near him when he fell. Thousands of fans left flowers outside the gates of Main Road as a mark of respect, while a plaque was put in place at the club's memorial garden at their new stadium. And as a mark of respect, City also retired the number 23 shirt in his memory. Hi, this is David Bernstein and you're listening to the Blue Moon Podcast. Check out exclusive City interviews on our website, bluemoonpodcast.com. Sam Roscoe looking back at Mark Vivian Foway's season at City. So, uh, I mean, first off, Richard, me and you were um, we were in high school at the time that that Fowey was at, was at City. What do you thanks, remember? Thanks, of him? thanks for that. Sorry, Sam. <laughs> what what do you what do you remember of of not uh, not necessarily when he arrived, but mm. the, the the impact he had over the course of that season? Um, I remember him. Um, I remember being very excited by his signing, um, and 
I remember him as a good player. Um, he had a was it around sort of Christmas, New Year that he had a real purple patch for goal scoring. Seems to remember. I don't. Th- know I think it started third of December away he, at uh, Sunderland. Yeah, I'm pretty sure that he scored a couple at home to Villa on Boxing Day. Stays in my head, um, and is one of the reasons that game is one of the reasons that Boxing Day became my my favourite day for football because it was just really good under the lights, good performance, and Foe was instrumental in that and. Um, I'd be lying if I said I had the, the clearest memory now of how good he was all season. But I do remember him as a as a very, very good and capable midfielder who we missed not having him there. See, I, I remember him. I, I remember <laughs> the first kind of three or four months. Yeah. He wasn't great. He no, was, but he, he really grew struggled, into it, didn't But he, he grew into the team. And, and uh, Keegan just kind of went, well, actually, you're not a defensive midfielder. Move further forward. And it just it just unleashed this... This player, in the same way that, that that kind of happened with Torre, a player with such fantastic vision and such an ability to pick out a pass. And yet the the one thing that I remember most was that horrendously bad pass over the top of United's defence, that go-to chase <laughs> that, that down. Was, to... that, that was my overriding kind of memory, is that, that he's, prob- he's probably played the best worst pass yeah. <laughs> in the history of the club. Because it put Neville under pressure. Put, and... put, you know, and everybody had given it up. Apart, you know, if you watch the replay of the goal, everybody sat down. Everybody behind the goal and along the kip axis sat down. They'd given it up. The only guy who didn't give it up was was Sean Gota, who then smashed one in the bottom corner and Gary Neville had famously fed the goat. So (laughs) there's that kind of, yeah, I mean, that is one of the, the great, Foe memories really for for me. Simon, um, did did you? I mean, when you were working around the club, did you come into contact with him at all? Only to to kind of say hello. Um, uh, n- never never interviewed him. Um, but there are, there are a couple of little stories that I've got on on Foe, and more importantly, City's decision to retire the number twenty three shirt when he passed away. One is that Carlos said, t- and, and I find this mad. It's a big deal for players what shirt number they get when they're involved in negotiation, negotiating contracts, negotiating transfers. And apparently Carlos Tevez was desperate to wear the number twenty three shirt. Um and it was a it was it, it was it was one of the, the things that Keir Drabchin had gone into the negotiations with. As soon as it was explained to him why the, that was impossible, Tevez completely just under, understood and said, right, I'll have thirty I'll have thirty two instead. And the other one is is um Benjamin Mendy. Again, he wore 23 at, at Monaco, Monaco yeah. and he wanted 23 when he came to City. And when he was told about Mark Vivian Foe, I think he took the twenty. He, he took the 22 shirt. I can't remember. Which is quite, and I, mm. I think 23, again, for reasons that I don't understand, because I know Beckham was wore the 23 <clears> shirt and basketball players love wearing the 23 shirt, but it's quite an iconic um, number for, be, yeah. for, for sportsmen to, to wear. Richard, I mean, you said earlier that City missed him. The next season, it was touch and go whether they would sign him anyway because mm. City weren't they weren't sure whether they'd have the money to to make the the loan move permanent. But it, was it a case of of almost you don't realise what you had until it was gone? Very much so, I think. Yeah, um, because the the first the, the season after that, which would have been the first at the Etihad, um, there was all sorts of issues City just weren't very good for for the vast majority of that season part of it you would think is what a lot of clubs have suffered when they move stadiums is that bedding in thing unfortunately the manager Kevin Keegan losing his spark as um as can happen after a while um but you would think that Foe would have been in there as a he was just my memory of him once he'd got past that initial sort of bedding in period was that he was a calm and quite composed player and um, he was certainly experienced and and very very good in the Premier League, and I just I can't help but think that I mean we'll never know unfortunately, but you can't help but think that for having him in that midfield, City would have been a better team. I think saying he had any, of course he had an incredible physical presence. He was six foot two, but he had more than that. He, he, I think Richard is right. He brought a kind of calmness to the team. He just grabbed games, he could didn't control, he? Yeah. He could control. He could control games. Um, and again, I think Richard is right. I'm not sure City would have had the the, the wherewithal financially to to keep him the following season. Obviously, it was, I remember very clearly watching the game. It was, I think it was a Friday night watching the game on BBC Two, a Confederations Cup game, where he just he just collapsed on the pitch. And when it, when that happens to a player, you always especially the when worst. there's nobody there, you just think it's correct. It, you, correct. you fear the worst, correct? Don't you? And it, and it, I mean, 
Um, you know, it was a. Uh, He'd only been at the club one season, but he had he had he had mm. that had a huge impact on City. And everybody, everybody spoke about. But I remember, got the main road to see there was a there was a tribute. I mean, mm. City had left the ground, but there was still there was still a tribute. And everybody spoke about about how stand. he about how about how much kind of uh, just happiness and life he brought around, you know around uh, around the club when he bumped into him. Uh, Richard, a final word on Foe. It's kind of fitting, isn't it, that he was the player that scored the last goals for City at Main Road. Yeah, I <clears throat> sort of like not to be too trivial, but his season with Buck ended in very different ways because if you remember when he came to us, he missed the first couple of games because of a suspension that he'd carried over from years earlier at West Ham. He'd got suspended at the end of the season whenever he'd been there went back to France and then came to us still with a, sus- a Premier League suspension from years earlier. I don't know why that stays in my head, but it does. Um, and then, yeah, from that to finishing the season on a rel- I know we lost the last game at Main Road, but the game before him having his name as the last City goalscorer at Main Road is a, an indelible mark on City's history for, in the grand scheme of things, it almost doesn't mean anything, but it is something that he will always be remembered for it, it. It puts him there is the answer to a trivia question. You know, it's a, it, and I know that sounds really trivial, but it does put his name in the city history books forever as a really positive thing, not just for the, the sadness that came with his passing. So, um, yeah, he'll always be well remembered and it is nice that he, that he had that moment. It, it's, it just seems baffling as well. That it's uh, 15 years. It's just, yeah. it's, it's, you know, it's, it's incredible, isn't it? Uh, Going to finish with Ask the Panel now. This is the bit of the show where you can send in your questions for uh, for these guys in the <coughs> studio. Uh, at Blue Moon Podcast is the best way to do it on Twitter. But you can also get us on the website, bluemoonpodcast.com, or you can email us, bluemoonpodcast at gmail.com as well. Uh, first up is James Carbonara, who asks, uh, what's a realistic points tally for City this season, and what's realistic silverware to aim for? 101 points on every trophy. <laughs> I suppose and if that doesn't happen, then I think Pep should quite rightly lose his job. <laughs> yeah. Well, I think it, it kind of it, it comes with the caveat that last season. I suppose that the question underneath is you can't use last season as a benchmark, can you? No, I think one of the biggest dangers City faced this year, not the team, but the, the collectively as a fan base that we face, is that it can't be realistically barring something more extraordinary than than literally we've ever seen before in the English league. We are going to be point-wise um and by by any sort of metric going to be worse than last season. Um because we broke every record that you, that was worth breaking that you can possibly imagine. Um and so if we lose a game in the first 10 games, then that's going to feel strange compared to last season. If we have any sort of back-to-back defeats or like, you know, any point in the season where we have three draws in a row, anything like that that could happen or, or we lose a couple of home games, everything will have the potential to feel like a bit of a disaster or my, to feel like it's not as good as last year. My partner said to me, you, um, you know what's going to happen, don't you? He said you'll lose the first game and then win the next 37. <laughs> that's, how, that's, how, that's what will happen. Um, but yeah, there is that potential that if teams work out a way to play against us a little bit, and I've, I've no doubt that with the signing of Mahrez, we will have different ways to attack teams and that we'll work with that. But if if there's any hint that teams find a bit of a different way to play against us or to shut the space off that we that we use so well, that there's a little bit of potential. I have this nagging worry that there could be not discord, but just a few sort of, a bit of extra sighing in the stands and all that, you know, that, that stuff that just feeds back onto the pitch. But then maybe, and I think this is kind of stuff Guardiola says himself, the team need the fans to hold them to that high standard. Um, what I absolutely think we won't lack this time, that we've lacked in the previous two title defences, is the hunger for it's going to be there. And the players in those two teams have spoken openly that they fell off and sort of they didn't have the same hunger to go and win the title again. It's not going to happen this time with Guardiola and this he group of players. He doesn't let it happen, does he? So points-wise, I think... If we get over 90, we're probably going to win the league and that will be a successful season. You start to combine it with, do we get further in the Champions League? If we win the Champions League and hit 89 points in the league, then you take the trade-off, don't you? Simon, what, what about yourself? I mean, where, where do you stand on, on what to aim for next season? I, I, <clears throat> with, with it being a World Cup year or post-World Cup season, um, I, I've got a feeling there might be, two, might be a few strange results in the opening couple of months of the season where you've got teams who haven't sent so many players away away to Russia, who will be firing all, on all cylinders while the top teams are maybe a kind of finding the rhythm and finding the feet a little bit. So it wouldn't surprise me if there's a few strange results, not just for City, but for all the, the top clubs in the first few months of the season. 
think any points tally that wins you the title is a good points tally. I mean, what what did United? And I know I'm harking back on United again, but when United won the treble in 1999, they won it with 85 mm. points, was it? Yeah. So you know, it, it, it's the the key to any season. And then, sorry if this sounds a bit simplistic, is to finish in Just top place. Do and better than everybody else. Correct. And if you if you they, they can't break every race. Say it's impossible. You would have said this time last year what City have done was impossible, but you know th there has got to be some kind of realism ab ab about the club, um, and w winning the, the the Premier League again would be fantastic because they've never done it before. Does he have to improve in the Champions League? Yes, because that was not not just the one thing that Guardiola was brought in for, but the one challenge that he wants is to prove that he can win a Champions League away from Barcelona. Harry Siddall's been in touch on Twitter to say, as much as he says he won't, will Guardiola focus more on the Champions League this season? Um, can he focus on it more? I mean, <clears throat> does that mean more than the Premier League or more than he did last season? If it's I, The league is hugely important to Guardiola, isn't it? So they will be, I think, of a joint importance to him. Um there will certainly be the two priority competitions as they always are. But we, we but, talked about this last season with the number of times that I think I think you mentioned it on a couple of shows last season where you said about how at Bayern Munich he'd, he'd go out and win the league so early that the Champions League then became difficult his, because he didn't have competitive games. Yeah, his his first season he has openly um, said that he made a mistake in in literally letting the team consciously by choice letting the team take the foot off the gas after they'd won the league. I don't think they lost the game um, up to the point of winning the league. Um, and, and they won it like a, a record point, like late March or early April or something stupid. And he let them take the foot off the gas and then went and got absolutely tonked by Real Madrid. So he will have learned from that mistake. And it, it was part of the reason of why he didn't really take his foot off the gas around the Liverpool um, quarterfinal. I know he didn't select... Uh, a complete strongest eleven against United in the derby that was between those, despite the fact that that could have been a, a title-winning game. Um, I think he he splits his priorities as, as best as he can. And the only problem with the Champions League last year was, one, Liverpool were very, very good in that first game against us and had it wrapped up by half-time and then managed the second half of that game fantastically well. But on a very, very rare occasion that, Pep got it wrong at Anfield. He got it very wrong with his tactics. He misjudged the way the game was going to go. Um, Gundogan never should have been out on the right. It, it didn't protect anybody. It didn't help set up anything in attack. It was a complete misjudgment. Um, but I don't think that's about priorities. It was just a mistake by a manager who, despite being pretty close to it, isn't quite infallible. <laughs> <laughs> that's the, exactly the right way to look. I think that's exactly how Pep Guardiola will look at last season's Champions League, is that... He overanalyzed the first leg at, Li at Liverpool, Tied and instead of knots, <clears throat> after telling everybody that he was always going to play his way and he wouldn't change anything, this was how my team sets up. I think he overanalyzed that first leg and ran. Th he, he, he took into account his wretched record at Liverpool. Def I don't care what anybody says. He definitely took that into account. And it's funny because I remember he, I, I asked him um, <clears throat> in his first season about it was ahead of the Liverpool game. I asked him in a yeah. press conference, "What do you do as a manager when you come into a club and you know you, you've got a club that just does so badly at one place like this?" And he just said, "Well, it's not something to think about." And he clearly did think about it. He also said that he would approach the Liverpool game exactly the way he'd done with every Euro other European game, but then took his players to Anfield the night before the game, so that changed the the, the routine straight away. I think he over, like I say, I think he overanalyzed that first game. He made a mistake with his his lineup. Having said that, um, the first goal was offside. Um, you know, <laughs> it, 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 and that's the thing with the Champions League. It, it's little, it, really, really the tiny margins in the Premier League. When you get to the Champions League, they're even small. They're even smaller margins. For ultimately, what is a cup competition? You get it wrong Correct. on the day. So you're you, out, can, you know how how can you focus on something that can change on 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 um, an incident that's completely out of your control. Graham Ward's been in touch on Twitter to say, uh, should City start to compile a list of clubs they won't do business with, or is that a pointless waste of time? And it's after there's been a history of past antagonism with Napoli's president, De Laurentiis. Um, I get why you would not want to waste your time with clubs who you've had bad experiences with, but 
ultimately that only lasts as long as there isn't a player that you want from them, surely. Uh, because if... Or a player you want to get rid of. Yeah, yeah. If if the next Kevin De Bruyne or the next Sergio Aguero... Was that Napoli? Yeah, then what are you going to do? Say, well, that player's there and he's absolutely perfect for our system and we know that he could he could be the difference between winning the Champions League, but he plays for a club that we've, on principle, refused to do business with. Um, it might... It might change your view of how you do business. It might mean that you walk away from deals quicker if you go and you get a no. Then okay, I won't waste my time. Or if they start to mess about with the details of a deal, um, but I don't think you can quite have a cut and dry. We just won't deal with them because I don't think in the long run it really benefits anybody, and it doesn't pay to be party to making relationships cut, even frostier. Cut your own nose off to spite your face, yes. I suppose. Really. Yeah. yeah. Thank you very much to my uh, to my two guests in the studio, Simon Mullock. Thanks, David. And Richard Burns. Absolute pleasure, David. Thank you. I've been David Mooney. We're back for the 10th year this year. Do join us on uh, Patreon as well. Patreon.com forward slash Blue Moon Podcast. This week we're talking all about community shields of years gone by. Uh, That's for everybody who backs $2 a month on Patreon. Uh, Me and Richard are also blogging twice a month uh, for this season on Patreon. If you're a $2 a month backer, so uh, it it really, you've got no excuse, basically. Go and sign up. Thanks very much. See you soon. the blue moon podcast please support the show patreon.com forward slash blue moon podcast